Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Tom Hart called the Cardinals game against the Phillies on Saturday with Marley Rivera. That was the game in which the Cardinals started off with four consecutive home runs. They made it fun. And he also is a Mizzou graduate. He works for SEC Network. He's done a lot of Mizzou games and SEC games, obviously, over the years. Tom Hart with us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Hey, Randy, I'm great. Thanks for having me on. And let's just add one more little nugget. Uh, I live in Atlanta now, and I made it through half of the game last night. But I, I got up, I got to the ballpark, I had amazing seats. Shout out Ernie Moore. And then uh, then the rains came, and uh, the family had a great time, but we weren't about to sit through two and a half hours. So <laughs> and I hope everyone will forgive me. We bailed. Nobody blames you at all. And by the way, what a baseball gamer to do a game on Saturday and then go to a game on Sunday night. You're loyal. Uh, yeah. Well, I couldn't I couldn't pass it up, you know. Um, <laughs> it's fun for me being, being in Atlanta. Of course, the Braves have had a great season already so far, but um, just kind of, I think from a 30,000 foot view, there's so much to like about this Cardinals team. And it was a reminder seeing them in Philadelphia and talking to people and being at the ballpark again. It's just, and I, I, I repeat this and I know people there hear it all the time, but I think it helps to hear it from outside the market. It is just such a well-respected organization from the top down that it's they're they're a fun group to be around and and I think they're a fun group to watch and plug in a couple of holes and make a couple of improvements here and there um and and they're on their path to another great season I think Tom Randy and I were were speaking about that earlier when you speak of of you know Major League Baseball I think you think Yankees and I think Cardinals are right there um as as maybe the number 2 franchise of, of in all of baseball um you you called the game on Saturday Talk to us a little bit about those four home runs and what that moment was like. And, and did you think it was ever going to end? <laughs> Carrie, my, my pants hadn't even gotten wrinkled yet. And there are four home runs on the board. Like, how does that happen? And especially against a guy like Kyle Gibson, who, by the way, is a ground ball pitcher. There were there are a lot of different – you go into a game as a broadcaster, a lot of different things you prepare for. Uh, that would have been way down the list, that he was going to give up a ton of home runs early. He only allowed three home runs in the first inning all of last year. So allow four in the first was uh, was not at all what what any of us are ex- were expecting. And and re- he got the first two guys out. You know what I mean? So he was off to a pretty good start. But you look at the history of four home run binges, and we just kind of touched on it there Saturday night. I-, I looked at it again on the flight home Sunday morning. Only 11 times it's been done before, but a lot of those have been recently, right? I mean, you go back to Milwaukee Braves did it with uh, with Hank Aaron back, you know, 50 years ago, uh, shoot, 70 years ago. But most of them have occurred in the last handful of years, and it's a representation of where the, the game is right now, that not only is the home run such a big part of it, 
But you have guys throughout the entire order who are always a danger to put one over the wall. And it's interesting with that team because Philadelphia, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to go over the wall. That defense leaves something to be desired, doesn't it? And the Cardinals didn't even uh, need to take advantage of that. Yeah, they didn't commit. Neither team committed a single error in that in that Saturday night game. But the Phillies are a really interesting bunch, and I, I think they've got the right guy at the helm right now, Rob Thompson. I wouldn't be surprised if if they end up making him the full-time manager the way the players have reacted to him and, and his background. I mean, he was really close to getting the Yankees job when, when Aaron Boone got it anyway. But um, they have pieces. It's just hard to imagine. I guess you can go back to when the Red Sox won it under core a couple of years ago. That wasn't a great defensive team, and they played in a homer. Obviously, the Red Sox played in a homer-friendly ballpark, so maybe you can get away with it at times. I just, if I was a general manager or a manager, I'd be really nervous. And if I was a pitcher, I really wouldn't be very happy to try to make it through an entire season and win a championship, which is essentially they got 70 H's out there, and that's without Bryce Harper. Tom, I, we were talking about the Cardinals and, and kind of their struggles um, pitching. What do you think can um, resolve some of those issues, whether it be in the bullpen or, or starting pitching? How do they move forward and, and, and become a, a much better team where they're more consistent than they have been? Well, number one, get healthy, right? I mean, that's that's the first thing they have to do to try to figure out who they have. I don't think you can put much faith in Flaherty being an impact pitcher in the rotation this year. I mean, number one, you have no idea about the timing. Um, you know, the trade deadline's coming up on August 2nd. How do you fill his spot? Uh, I was really disappointed in, in Libertor the other night. I, I expected more, but I don't think he's, um, you know, I had a GM tell me years ago, prospects are called prospects for a reason. Like people went panning for gold back in the 1800s. Didn't mean they came home rich, right? Um, and I, I think he's got, he's, he's got some pieces, but he, he doesn't seem to be a front-of-the-line starter that you might expect from um, you know, the, the third-best prospect in the organization. So I don't know how reliable or dependable that can be. So, number one, um, you know, you got to look at the trade deadline and what are you willing to give up to get a starter that can slide in there and be reliable. But I'll, I'll throw this back to you guys. I mean, Jordan Hicks looked really good out of the bullpen. And I know the bullpen needs help, but there are more pieces coming. And, and I have more faith in the Cardinals' bullpen right now than I do in the rotation. I wonder if they would be, even though it wasn't a success earlier this season, with the way Hicks is thrown, and he came out blazing 102-103, does he get another opportunity down the line to get into the rotation and see if he can solidify things? Is that you guys think that's possible? Tom, they might have to because when he went on the IL, they thought, okay, well, we'll have a couple of weeks and he'll come back as a bullpen piece, but we'll have Jack Flaherty back because Flaherty was throwing well on his rehab. And like you said, nobody here expects Flaherty to come back and be effective for the Cardinals. You just don't come back from shoulders. So that would be my expectation because – Matthew Libertor is not what we expected he was going to be. We thought he'd be a mid-rotation guy, and when you can't go only two and two-thirds and then get another opportunity or get multiple opportunities. So either he's going to have to figure it out or the Cardinals are going to have to do something. And Hicks, at least, he, he started to give him innings towards the end of his stint as a starter. Yeah, it, the problem there, once again, is timing. And the Cardinals right now do not have the benefit of an easy schedule to kind of coast towards the all-star break, right? 
The Braves are the defending world champions. You saw how dangerous they can be. Dansby Swanson's having an MVP caliber season. You get the Phillies again, and then you get the Dodgers. Mm -hmm. Um, At the same time, unless I'm mistaken, you guys know better than I, the Brewers aren't exactly running through a gauntlet right now. They have a pretty pretty tame schedule um, uh, running running parallel to what the Cardinals are going through right now. Um, so I, I don't know what the answer is, but it's kind of like, hey, can they tread water right now? Can they, can they get enough out of the bullpen to cover for some of those struggles to keep them within shouting distance of the Brewers and then get more pieces back in the bullpen healthy, figure something out before the trade deadline if you're going to add a starter. And figure out the catching position, too. That's a, that is a giant hole for this team right now. And big picture, Tom. Tom Hart of ESPN and of the SEC Network with us on 101 ESPN. Big picture, the Cardinals have the second easiest remaining schedule. Only Houston has a lower winning percentage against than the Cardinals. And so the Cardinals can look at the big picture. Their last six games of the season are against the Pirates. So maybe they can uh, make some hay here in the second half. Yeah, well, then that's much better than I thought. I was thinking short-term, the next you know, 14 yeah. or so, wherever we are right now, against a, a gauntlet. But, yeah, catch your breath, stay within striking distance, uh, and, then, and then be there ready to, ready to attack. Uh, that's, that is a gift from the gods, mm-hmm. six straight against the Pirates to close the season. Hey, Tom, I'm, I'm going to shift gears a little bit with you. You being a Mizzou guy, uh, your, your, your Tigers made a move a few years back to the SEC. I want to know what your thoughts are uh, with the Pac-12 and, and the shift that has been made from those teams, USC and, and UCLA, making that move to the Big Ten. Well, to think about it from a Missouri perspective, it just reinforces the move that they made to come to the SEC was the right move at the right time. Um, you can argue that Missouri as an institution and maybe even as an athletic department would be a better fit in the Big Ten. And I can't argue against that. I mean, from the academic standpoint to the geographic location and, and how they fit with whether it's Illinois, Iowa, Nebraska, Michigan State, other schools that are like them, I get it. But that wasn't an option. The SEC was an option. Now they're, now you've been tapped on the shoulder. You're, you're one of the chosen ones because the future for collegiate athletics is two major conferences. That's it. It's just two. And either you're in or you're out. And right now, Missouri is in. Schools with great tradition and history that we know well growing up in the Midwest, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, others, they're all out. Uh, Oregon, out right now. Now, whether that changes and they get a chance to join the, the Big Ten remains to be seen. Um, I, I'm not a fan of where collegiate athletics are going. I grew up in the Big 8 and the Big 12, and I have an appreciation for the history of it. I think that's what sets college athletics apart from, uh, you know, from the NFL, for example. Um, and, and to see that just kind of go by the wayside is, is disappointing. Um, but it's, I guess, progress in the, in the name of, of growth. So I don't, I don't know that anyone knows what's next. And if people think they do, I would just rewind the, the calendar to, what, 10, 12 days ago. Nobody saw USC, UCLA to the Big Ten. Right. Uh, and if you did, you're a random blogger in Minnesota who got something right. And <laughs> kudos to that guy. And, Tom, it's interesting because, and it's been this way for 100 years, but with the moves of USC and UCLA to the Big Ten, I think it really does centralize the power. And it's been this way that – there's a, probably a dozen teams that have a chance to win a national championship. Now yep. they're concentrated in two conferences. And Randy, that, I was thinking about this recently. It's a really interesting point because 
let's be honest, the teams in the bottom half of, uh, as they're constituted now, the SEC and the Big Ten, really don't, don't have much of a chance to win a national title. You know, Purdue had a really good year last year. They're not winning a national championship anytime soon. Uh, Missouri played for the SEC championship twice. It, it's really hard to keep up with the Alabamas, the LSUs, and the Georgias of the world. But what this is going to do is not just concentrate the power, but concentrate the finances. Mm -hmm. And and schools like Missouri, Purdue, Indiana are now going to have way more than they've ever had, and and not just more money at their disposal, but a better market share of that money to then compete. And if you're looking for a positive, I think that's something that you could grab onto, that that they would have that opportunity. If If you remain on the outside, you're going to have to really be an outlier to have a chance. That would be Clemson. That would be Oregon. Um, and I don't know that you go any any further down the line than that because it's going to – these leagues are going to be making twice as much per year than any other league. So, uh, you know, if you're making $100 million as UCLA and the team up the road, Stanford, is only making $20 million from their TV revenue – Think about that every year, the head start that uh, that the schools that are quote-unquote in are going to have on the others. Tom Hart, always great to hear your voice, and uh, we'll, we'll never forget that you were the voice of Brad Thompson's 57 and two-thirds <laughs> inning scoreless streak. Please, please remind him of that, and ask him why he's been wearing sunglasses lately. <laughs> we'll do that. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Hey, thanks for your time. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. See you later. That is Tom Hart. He called the Cards and Phillies on Saturday. He works for both ESPN and SEC Network, same ownership, and he's great. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffles Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.